Good evening and blessings, and welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom is Faith. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author, Leslie Gist, and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Greetings, greetings. Tonight on the Just Freedom Radio Show, we will be discussing monuments as we continue on a series where we are looking at monuments that exist throughout the world, and we dialogue, debate, discuss monuments that should be created that are not presently erected. Um, Tonight, in particular, we will be discussing uh, activism and athletes along with monuments. I'm your host, Jamal Brown. You are listening to the Gist of Freedom radio show. You can check out more of our shows at blackhistoryuniversity.com. There you will find over 500 shows. You can find out more about me, Mr. Black365 at black365.com. There you will find a whole host of educational products good for all ages. Again, I must admit to you family that tonight I am a little bit low on energy. Uh, Tonight uh, is the fourth night since our brother Jacob Blake was shot in um, right outside of uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, about 40 miles away from Milwaukee. And there has been subsequent fallout. I've been keeping up with the news, keeping up with all of the headlines. And again, I must admit that I am not optimized as I'm asking for the spirit of our ancestors as well as our wonderful guests to uh, keep me uplifted and motivated and encouraged. Uh, the show must go on is what they say. I've uh, committed to the Just Freedom radio show. And so it's Thursday, so I am here. As we always do, we understand that images shape our reality. So we have a host of images that we will be showing and we'll be guiding our discussion. What's going on in Milwaukee, uh, there's riots, again, uh, as a result of our brother, Jacob Blake, who has been shot. And it's eerily reminiscent, in my humble opinion, to uh, this scene that occurred in Virginia, where counter-protesters have taken to the streets. And again, as you all know, uh, I'm a black history historian. Uh, That's my area of focus. So I I couldn't tell you too, too much, with with too much certainty, what typically happens when these other protesters show up. But here we see a, a scene from Charlottesville, and we know that violence accompanied their presence there in Charlottesville. Similarly, in Minnesota, uh, what we call the extreme right 
uh, from what I understand, what we call militias, what I understand, it's the best term, uh, have shown up. And once again, violence has struck. To compound the issue of our brother, Jacob Blake, being shot seven times in his back, we now have a murder, not one, not two, but two murders that have taken place at the hands of what is being described as a militia person. The year is 2020. It's not 1920, it's not 1820, but eerily reminiscent. We see the same scenes being played out time and time again. Here we have these gentlemen, for lack of a better word, in Charlottesville rallying around a statue. But we know that people are more important than statues. Here's a picture of the brother Jacob Blake along with some of his family members. For understanding, he's the father of uh, three boys, uh, two or, or three, who were in very, very close proximity to him when, when an officer shot their father in the back seven times. These boys will forever be traumatized by the sights, by the sounds, by their senses being jolted in the image undoubtedly of their father being shot, not knowing if he would be making it home that night. He didn't make it home that night. By the grace of God, he is still alive, but the reports as of now are that he will never walk again as he is paralyzed. Again, we are spotlighting athletes, we are spotlighting activism, we are spotlighting memories and memorials and statues. Uh, I can't help but think of what the NBA, as well as a number of other leagues, are currently going through. Um, as of last night, the NBA playoff games were, some say, uh, a labor stoppage. Some call it a boycott. I'm not exactly sure what the best term is. But it, 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 it does not go without precedent. precedent. We have seen throughout our history the rallying around, the stepping up and stepping forward of athletes in a time of conflict. Here we have what has been come to be known as the Cleveland uh, Conference, where Muhammad Ali, there in the center of your picture, was stripped of his world title, was stripped of his boxing championship belt because he took a stand. He refused to be silent. He refused to step forward and risk his life, risk his limb, risk his word, risk his dignity in the pursuit or in the cause of American imperialism, American patriot, uh, you know, being a patriot. Uh, he did not, he did not step forward when it was, he was called upon to do so for the army. Again, we are spotlighting athletes tonight in our series of statues because the NBA players have, as I like to say, taken a seat in order to make a stand. They refuse to play. Millions of dollars of commerce, uh, millions of viewers did not get what they wanted last night because a group of brave individuals who are members of the NBA did not put their energy, their effort, their soul into the game because there are, is a larger narrative, a larger 
discussion that needs to be had at this time. Chris Paul is short in stature, but certainly in these times is standing like a giant as he is taking a stand and moving the consciousness forward. He is, from what I understand, the uh, player representative, the head of the um, players union, representing the players. Uh, he immediately uh, was able to identify the fact that at this time, it's not a time for entertainment. At this time, it's not a time for uh, pacification. It's time for real discussions and real things to take place. Here we see one of the most iconic photos that I'm sure Chris Paul and the others took energy from. We have here a number of players who were at the start of their careers and some in the prime of their careers. We have um, Mr. Russell. We have Jim Brown. We have a young Lou Alcindor before he was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Again, taking a seat in order to make a stand, showing solidarity with Muhammad Ali. I did a little research prior to coming on this evening. And I understood that through my research that Bob Arum, uh, a boxing promoter, set up this meeting. Not for this meeting to turn out the way that it did though. No, as a boxing promoter, he gets paid, obviously when someone boxes. He had the exclusive closed circuit rights to the Muhammad Ali fights. So he wanted these brothers to come and discourage Ali in his stance. Put another way, they want, he wanted them to encourage Muhammad Ali to put down his stance, fly over and be a boxer and put on boxing exhibitions near the battle lines. But Muhammad Ali is filled with conviction, is filled with honor, is filled with dignity, and he could not be swayed. And the brothers, from what I understand, did not put up too big of a fight in an attempt to dissuade our brother Muhammad Ali. And so they turned the page and wrote their own script, that script being one of solidarity. And they showed solidarity with their dear brother Muhammad Ali. Again, as, we, as I stated, he was stripped of his titles, uh, forced out of boxing, all because he did not want to take part in American imperialism and fights people, as he said, who had never called him the N-word. For his courage, for his stance, for being a principled man, we honor Muhammad Ali. Here are two brothers. You might not recognize them as they have aged, but if you look in the, in the background, you will see a statue. This statue uh, represents Summer Olympics, the year 1968, Mexico City, Mexico, where these two brothers who are in the foreground on the left, John Carlos on the right, Tommy Smith, rose a black power fist, rose a gloved fist in a show of solidarity with the working people, with the struggling people, with the black people around the world. They were not radicals, but what they did was indeed radical. I am sure as they stood atop that podium that they had no idea of the reverberations that their simple and silent actions would have. They were summarily sent home from the Olympics. They were summarily blacklisted. I have had personal conversations with John Carlos, the brother on the left, 
who said that he had to take his daughter out of school, out of college, because of the incessant, incessant death threats. FBI agents and other governmental agents would routinely sit outside of his house and surveil his house. But he said that didn't crush him. That didn't stop him. That did not shake his foundation one bit. What he did on that day in Mexico City, Mexico, was let the world know that it is not only our right, but our responsibility to have collective working responsibility, to have self-determination, to demonstrate and manifest unity. And that's all that act was about, showing solidarity, showing unity with the struggles of oppressed people around the world. And again, we have the energy, the essence, we are the embodiment of all things good. The creator saw it fit to put us first on the planet Earth. We have energy. We are capable of doing things athletically and in other arenas that others are just incapable of doing. People watch us. They want to be like us. But they want us, in the words of one uh, newscaster, to just shut up and dribble. I mentioned that those two brothers were blacklisted. They were not the first or the last brothers to be blacklisted for making a stand, for demonstrating what their heart, what their soul, what their conscience told them to do. Uh, here is a poster of a movie where Louis uh, Gossip Jr. Uh, played the great Leroy Satchel Page. This brother too was indeed blacklisted. Satchel Page played in the Negro Leagues, played in the um, big leagues, major leagues as well. He, my research and my memory are correct, was he was the oldest rookie ever to play, still to this day, in Major League Baseball. Why? Because he was blacklisted for a number of years. He did not take the, he did not take the traditional route. He did not always abide by the company line, as you would say. He didn't go along to get along. That just not, was not who he was. And so for his position, for his stance, for his outlook, he was blacklisted. But yet and still, he had fortitude, he had insight, and he had a backbone, as my father would say. And so he took his talents elsewhere. We know, uh, uh, we've heard that line before, you know, I'm taking my talents, you know, here or there. He took his talents around the globe. He was an amazing pitcher. He had a ball that they said sometimes when it came out of his hand, it looked like a little pebble. It looked like a pea, how fast he could throw the ball and how the different pitches and things he had. So, again, we are the talent. We must transcend from just simply being the talent on the field or on the screen or on the stage and take our talents and our resources and our energy and our efforts to the collective. I'm talking about 360 degrees of whatever institution we are a part of. It's not only, it only makes sense that we have control, that we take the lead in all aspects of the things that we do. And so Satchel Page and his Satchel Page All-Stars did just that. They traveled around the globe demonstrating what they can do on the, on the diamond, the baseball diamond that is. Again, running, jumping, hitting, throwing. Brothers were showcasing all that was right, all that was well, all that was beautiful, all that was within them on the baseball diamond. I hope, excuse me, I, I, I wish rather 
that I can turn back the hands of time. Uh, I was once asked if I can go any time, any place, I would go to uh, ancient Egypt. Certainly is where I would go. But if I couldn't go there, I would want to stop off in the era of reconstruction. The era in the early 1900s in particular. And I would just whisper in the ears of these brothers, these Negro League brothers, be self-reliant, manifest self-determination, understand that you are the commodity, you are the talent, you are the intellectual property, you obtain that, don't sell out, don't compromise, don't bend, don't fold, they will come to you. Where else will they go? to see people with athleticism that is out of this world. Where else will they go? Where else will they turn if they want to see sport played on the highest level? They can only turn to us. Again, I wish I can go back and turn back the hands of time and have a conversation with a Satchel Page and a uh, 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 Brother Posey Jr. who uh, started the Homestead Rays and say, don't sell out, keep it tight, keep it right. They'll come to you. Again, we're talking about brothers who have been blackballed. This brother right here, the unconquerable, the indomitable, the upright man that we know as Paul Robeson. He is head and shoulders, in my opinion. He is the tallest tree in the forest. When it comes to intelligence combined with bronze, Brains and bond, muscles and intellectual acuity. This brother went to Columbia. Columbia. This brother graduated at the top of his class. This brother, uh, he went to Rutgers as well. Uh, there he played football. There were teams who refused to take the field against Rutgers, because they had one Paul Robeson. His race, his ethnicity, his African blood, him being a melanated man was such a threat, I don't know, such a thing, I don't even know what to call the thing, it was such a thing that uh, they refused to take the field. In fact, before he was even on the team, he struggled to get on the team. The players of his own team conspired against him. I've read where he was stepped on with metal cleats intentionally after plays. His hands were stepped on. His legs were stepped on with metal cleats. The coach, in fact, would turn a blind eye to the brutality that our brother Paul was going through. The coach, in fact, did not want Paul on the team. It was one day where the coach allowed him to practice, and Paul broke through the line, beat the man in front of him, picked up the quarterback, had the quarterback above his head about to slam him to the turf. And the coach screamed out, put my quarterback down, son, you're on the team. That is how Paul Robeson got on that team at Rutgers. But again, he faced teams refusing to play against him. But yet and still, he was not moved. He kept it right. He kept it tight. He wanted to quit, but his brothers wouldn't allow him to quit. As I mentioned, he had brains as well. He was a 
great organizer as well. He was a great orator as well. He went to the NFL. Look it up if you don't believe me. He earned his law degree while in the NFL. Amazing, amazing brother. Again, he was blacklisted in many, many ways. But before I go on about his uh, labor activities, let me talk about how he would write briefs. He could outspeak all of the other lawyers at the law firm that he worked at. One day after preparing the briefs and preparing the briefs and preparing the briefs, his briefs that he wrote would win cases time and time again. He approached his employer and said, when will you allow me to argue in front of the court? Obviously, I have the wit. Obviously, I have the intellectual stamina. The things that I am writing are winning cases for our office. When can I be the one who puts forth the arguments that I am writing that everyone else is using to win these cases? His employer said, you know, Paul, like I know, that no judge, no jury will give someone who looks like you a fair shake. We'll lose money, Paul, he said. Our clients will be found guilty. The things that we are arguing for, despite how intellectually superior they are, will not be given the respect and dignity that they deserve because they're coming from you. A janitor at that law firm saw Paul burning the midnight oil, continued to write these briefs, and gave him a word of encouragement. In essence, told him to live his life. In essence, told him that God made everything free. The birds are free. The fish are free. You too are a free man. And Paul quit his job. He was a socialite, so he was certain that he would land on his feet. And as circumstances would have, he played a role um, at the behest of his wife in one of his friend's plays and absolutely fell in love with the stage and the stage fell in love with him and he began living life as an artist. Uh, because of his stance, because he had a strong backbone, again, he was blackballed. So he traveled throughout the world, living at times in Russia and other places and was admired, not only admired, but loved. I've seen pictures of an ocean of people a sea of humanity standing behind this man. And he stood up for the working class. Again, he was a labor activist. People who needed a voice, but did not have their own voice, used the voice and the message of the man, Paul Robeson. We've talked about it before. This brother undoubtedly deserves a national monument. Brother Paul Robeson. August 26th, 19, excuse me, 2016. August 26th, 2020. Four years to the day when Colin Kaepernick first spoke and first took a knee is when our brothers in the NBA did what they did. Does Colin Kaepernick deserve a statue? You be the judge. You write. Let us know. Again, we are the Gist of Freedom radio show, and we're asking people to use the hashtag Black Scout, B-L-A-C-K-S-C-O-U-T, Black Scout. 
there you can join along in the discussion if you are viewing or hearing this conversation after it has passed. Uh, use Black Scout and you can continue the conversation, give us your two cents, as well as give us topics that you would like us to broach, you would like us to explore, or you would like us to dive deep on. Again, you listen to the Gist of Freedom radio show. BlackHistoryUniversity.com is where you can find the archives of our show, over 500 shows, over 30,000 listens. Tell a friend to tell a friend to listen in to what we have going on here at the Gist of Freedom radio show found at blackhistoryuniversity.com. I am your host, Jamal Brown, a.k.a. Professor Jamal, a.k.a. Mr. Black365, founder and creator of black365.com, where you'll find a whole host of culturally relevant Black history products that are good for all ages. Again, let us know, does Colin Kaepernick deserve a statue for his athletic prowess, for his stance? Is he a martyr? Obviously, he wasn't slain, but we do know that his career was derailed, undoubtedly. Uh, we recently had the commissioner of the NFL come out and say that he wished he listened to Colin Kaepernick sooner. Again, what he has done, is it worthy of a statue? Let us know. This is a young and upcoming superstar, international star. Her name is Naomi Osaka. Although she was born in Japan, she identifies, although the media tries to tell you that she's Asian, although the media, when she won and burst onto the stage, uh, constantly highlighted her mother, despite the fact that she has a, a loved father who was in her life and uh, present, and I would imagine her biggest fan, uh, he is from Haiti. But yet and still, whenever you hear uh, the majority of descriptions of her, they describe her as Asian. But let's listen to this young lady in her own words as she speaks her thoughts on the present day conditions. This is what she recently wrote in response to the Jacob Blake situation. She said, hello, this is what she posted on social media. Hello, as many of you are aware, I was scheduled to play my semifinal match tomorrow. However, before I am an athlete, I am a black woman. And as a black Woman, I feel as though there are so much more important matters at hand that need immediate attention. Rather than watching me play tennis, I don't expect anything drastic to happen with me not playing. But if I can get a conversation started in a majority white sport, I consider that a step in the right direction. Watching the continued genocide, speak truth to power, young sister, Watching the continued genocide of Black people at the hands of police is honestly making me sick to my stomach. I'm exhausted of having a new hashtag pop up every few days, and I'm extremely tired of having this same conversation over and over again. When will it be enough? Hashtag Jacob Blake, hashtag Breonna Taylor, hashtag Elijah McClain, hashtag... George Floyd. I once read a book that said, from the mouth of babes. I once read a book that said, look to the youth. Old men have visions, young men and young women have dreams. They can see. I want you to see the word choice that this young sister decided to use. 
genocide. Do you understand what a genocide is? It is a complete and utter wiping out of a people. This is the perspective of this system. This is the perspective of many brothers and sisters who are seeing time and time again hashtags, news headlines, live images streamed across all of our multi-media, social media platforms. A complete and utter attempt at erasure of African people. And it's sad. I'm compelled to this moment. One, because I'm getting choked up. Two, because I'm feeling chills. And three, because I just think it's appropriate that we just have a moment of silence for all the named, for all the unnamed people who have been killed this year, in the year 2020, right before our very eyes. Let's just have a moment of silence. Our shape. This sister is fastly becoming a favorite of mine. Someone that I will certainly be keeping my eye on, Miss Naomi Osaka, whose father's from Haiti. Again, she, one way or another, is wired in, tapped in to the spirit of a number of athletes who have taken stands, some boisterously, some subtle. You may not be aware of this subtle protests of this subtle statement. Although it was relatively silent, it spoke volumes and it echoed. I'm talking about none other than Craig Hodges, played for the Chicago Bulls, teammates of Michael Jordan, was the NBA's top three-point shooter after one of the championships in customary fashion, the team was invited to the White House. In customary fashion, folks went out and bought and put on, purchased and put on their best outfit. Nothing was different for Mr. Craig Hodges. But what he decided to wear, some call it a dashiki, some call it a grand boba and a kufi. All white, pristine, expensive, I'm sure, tailored to the T. But that is how he decided to represent himself as an African. And what he decided to do as well when he met George Bush Sr. was hand him a letter silently. He didn't blast or broadcast or announce what he was doing. He didn't have a grand sign and held it up and shouted. No, silently, in a moment, shared between two men, he slipped them a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper, he outlined, he highlighted, he showcased the plight of individuals of African descent in these United States. He said, if I had a moment to have an audience with what some call the most powerful man on the planet, the President of the United States, let me share with him my views, my perspectives, my understanding, what I know to be true about what is going on in the streets in the ghettos, in the slums, in the impoverished neighborhoods in America. So he slipped in a letter 
talking about what is going on from the perspective of a black man. And do you know that our dear brother, Craig Hodges, was blackballed. He was slammed. He was obliterated in the media. From what I understand, he still remains employed by the NBA. He's a shooting coach. Last I uh, knew, he was a shooting coach for the Los Angeles Lakers. He does very, very few interviews in fear of reprisal. I don't know if fear is the best word, but he doesn't want the spotlight shown on him. He doesn't want, he never did, but he certainly doesn't want to jeopardize his uh, job. He has a family. He has a son that's close to age with me. In fact, I actually attended college with his son and know him uh, personally. I've uh, met, shook hands, had a brief conversation with Mr. Craig Hodges as well. We hope to have him as a guest on a future uh, Just a Freedom radio show. We'll be uh, working here in the next few weeks to uh, see if we can't make that happen. We want to spend time, break bread, have conversations with people who have changed the trajectory of sport, changed the trajectory or added to the narrative or added to the quilt, the fabric of this country. Craig Hodges undoubtedly did that. He deserves a statue in some people's opinion. Let us know. Hashtag Black Scout. Hashtag Black Scout. Let us know your thoughts on Craig Hodges. And did you know that he was blackballed and had his career cut short, Mr. Craig Hodges? It is always the right time to do the right thing. Let me say that again. It is always the right time to do the right thing. I don't care how big the stage is. I don't care how bright the lights are. I don't care how many people or how few people are in the audience. Mr. Randy Moss took the opportunity when on perhaps the grandest stage of them all, bigger than the Super Bowl perhaps, at the induction ceremony for the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. Every athlete dreams of playing the game majority of athletes think of winning championships. Virtually all athletes want to have their name, their face, their accomplishments, their awards recognized and memorialized forever. The Hall of Fame allows just that. In Canton, Ohio, there's a building known as the Football Hall of Fame, and there they make a bust of your head. And they say that this bust will remain in the Hall of Fame in this building for time and perpetuity, forever. The speech before going into the Hall of Fame is something that is revered. It's not a place where very many have made any type of political statement, have made any type of statement that rocked the boat whatsoever. Randy Moss took his time, took this opportunity to show his solidarity, to show his commitment to the people who have been slain. On his tie, on that stage, in Canton, Ohio, in front of his bus, where he will be memorialized forever, he chose to wear a tie. He chose to wear a tie that he had created that showcased and highlighted some, let me be very specific, some of the names 
of individuals of African descent who have lost their lives too soon. Greg Gunn, Tamir Rice, A.K. Gurley, Paul O'Neill, Eric Gardner, Freddie Gray, Walter Scott, Sandra Bland, Akil Dinkins, Alton Sterling, Michael Brown. Some of the names that he chose to have highlighted. You know, Tamir Rice, there in the state of Ohio, playing with a replica gun in a park all by himself, 12 years old, if I understand correctly. Within moments of police arriving on the scene, shots were fired, shots rang out, shots pierced his skin, and he became an ancestor. Eric Gardner said, I can't breathe. Repeated, I can't breathe, as he was being choked with a maneuver that had previously been outlawed by the NYPD. The reverberations, that's a word that I've used more than once in our conversation this evening. The reverberations, the waves that go out after every single incident. No single incident is a single incident. All instances are connected. All instances, like the waves in the ocean, are connected. Eric Gardner's daughter died, heart attack, if I understand correctly, far before you would think someone should have a heart attack. I argue that perhaps she died of a broken heart, fighting for justice for her father. We appreciate Eric Gardner, we appreciate his daughter, and we appreciate Randy Moss for using his stage, using his platform, using his essence, his energy, standing on his principles to make a statement. Athletes, time and time again, have made statements, and we appreciate them. Some of these athletes are in the twilight of their career. Some of these athletes are no, long, no longer athletes and enjoy life as broadcasters and commentators. Here we have Kenny Smith. Here we have Kenny Smith, who is one of those broadcasters that I am talking about, former player. He was overcome with emotion, overcome with feelings of ambivalence, ambivalence meaning feelings on both sides. He wanted to do his job on August 26, 2020. But he said as he pulled into the station there at TNT Studios in Atlanta, something just wasn't right. It didn't feel right. He didn't feel as if he should be using his time, talents, resources, energy to entertain. So he chose to show solidarity as a former athlete with the current NBA athletes who did not show up for work that day. They showed up, but they decided to strike or boycott or simply use their self-determination to decide not to participate with the status quo. They weren't going along to get along that night and Kenny the Jet Smith did not go along to get along that night either. 
So we appreciate Kenny Smith, who did not put a paycheck, did not put a position, did not put status quo in front of doing what his heart told him to do. Erica Gardner was the name I was just uh, struggling to uh, grasp. Erica Gardner, the daughter of Eric Gardner. We have interviewed Erica Gardner on the Gist of Freedom radio show. Again, this isn't just some little small time show. This is a heavyweight show that provides a heavy impact for the community. If you love history, if you love culture, if you love seeing history and culture intertwine with today, as we attempt to shine a light on the path towards freedom, then this is the radio show for you. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Over 500 shows can be listened to right now at blackhistoryuniversity.com, B-L-A-C-K, university.com. Tell a friend, tell a friend to tap in. Again, looking at statues, here's a statue that makes me smile. You know, we're sick and tired, as Fannie Lou Hamer has said, of interviewing sad story after sad story, but we tell the truth and we're historians and we look back and we tell stories. But here is a story that, like the brother in the picture, is smiling, puts a smile on my face. Here is a black man from Coney Island, New York. His name is Stefan Marbury. Life's circumstances saw it as such that this brother would go to the NBA, have a pretty dynamic and dynamite career in the NBA. He suffered the loss of his father, as so many black men, uh, mental health is not something that's prioritized or talked about or uh, supported. And so the brother didn't have necessarily the resources or the language in order to properly deal with the traumas that he had faced in his life. The brother needed a breather and the brother's path took him to China. In China, he got back to doing what he is good at and something that he did ever since he was a child, and that be play basketball. He had grown weary of the stress and stressors of these United States, so he went east to China. There he played basketball and did it at a high level like he'd always done, and this brother won multiple, multiple championships I understand he had a coaching and even an ownership position, if I'm not mistaken, in some basketball teams in China. He is honored, celebrated, and revered in China. There is a statue of a black man in China. That is Stefan Marbury in front of a statue of Stefan Marbury. This brother stood on his square, stood upright, On many occasions, he had a shoe called the Starberry shoe. Would you know that this shoe was manufactured in the same manufacturing plant where Michael Jordan's shoes were manufactured? However, unlike the Michael Jordan shoe, 
this brother, Stefan Marbury, used his conscience, used his mind, used his soul, used his heart to responsibly price the shoes that he was manufacturing and lent his name to, the Starberries. And so, as some might say, he used his soul and his soul. He uses S-O-U-L to determine the price of the S-O-L-E, the soles of the shoes, the price of the shoes. He did not want brothers and sisters in the hood fighting, shooting, killing each other. He did not want brothers and sisters in the hood standing online for hours and hours and hours to get his shoes. No, he wanted to have them be affordable. However, the industry, the machine, dare I say, some who call him the king, LeBron James actually spoke uh, with disdain about the pricing of his shoe and talked about how he wouldn't wear a shoe that cost that little and have you. And so the machine, the status quo, crushed the shoe and didn't allow it to become what it should have, didn't allow it to reach its full potential. It sold several shoes. The brother talked about hearing testimonies from mothers all over who thanked him for being responsible, who thanked him for uh, uh, having compassion and having a cause. And so his stance did not go unnoticed and was appreciated. It is true. Uh, also that uh, our brother LeBron uh, from what I understand, wanted to return to uh, playing basketball and call off the boycott. Um, I haven't read that personally, but that's uh, what I understand to be uh, true as well. Uh, but yet and still, our brother uh, Starberry, a.k.a. Marberry, stood on his principles, and we appreciate him for that. We're almost wrapping up with our show this evening. Hope it's you're enjoying it as we discuss brothers and sisters who are athletes, brothers and sisters who deserve props. And I don't want you to think I'm getting down on our brother LeBron James. He's from Ohio. My whole family's from Ohio as well. Uh, LeBron James, let's give him his props. He has thrown his weight around and given several, several uh, 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 checks to a number of good organizations there in Akron, he has uh, attached his name to a school and is doing some very, very good things. All the students, from what I understand, at a school get bicycles. Students who graduate uh, are afforded opportunities to go to uh, school or college and what have you and have it paid for. So we appreciate and we need all of the resources and contributions of all of our brothers. This brother right here also put on for his hometown. This is Chris Weber, who played several, several years in the NBA. He is now one of those people who can no longer do, so they teach or they broadcast. He uh, broadcasts NBA games. Uh, on August 26th, he had to fight back tears as he saw the self-determination, the collective work and responsibility, the unity of our NBA brothers. He fought back tears. You might ask yourself, why was he fighting back tears? Well, for one, he's a black man in America, and he sees what's going on. But also, our brother is more tapped in with our history than the average brother. Our brother Chris Weber is an avid collector of African-American artifacts and documents. 
he has so many artifacts and documents that he sometimes has his collection go on tour. I'm forgetting right now. Uh, hopefully my producer can help me out with the name. Um, Charles, I believe there's a museum in uh, Michigan where his collection once was and still might be. Um, I need to visit that uh, museum. I've actually been in contact with him about uh, 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 having um, some of the Black 365 products in their museum. The name is escaping me right now. So much going on. The Charles Wright Museum in Detroit. Charles Wright. I knew I had the Charles part right. Charles Wright Museum in Detroit. If any of our Black History University scouts, any of our Black scouts know how to get in contact with Chris Weber, please do let us know. We would love to interview this brother. As, a, as you know, I am an avid Black history lover. As you know, Miss Leslie, just the freedom uh, uh, producer of this show, is a lover of freedom, a lover of history information. We would love to talk with a fellow scholar, a fellow researcher, a fellow person who appreciates our history. And so again, if any of you know how to get in contact with Black, with, uh, with, uh, Brother Chris, we Chris Weber, please do let us know. Our um, our show's producer uh, loves Chris. She loves, loves, loves Chris Weber and would love to get in contact with him and have him on our show. Again, use the hashtag Black Scout, B-L-A-C-K-S-C-O-U-T, Black Scout, in order to uh, let us know. We search that hashtag daily. So again, we are highlighting, we are discussing, we are showcasing individuals of African descent who put their life on the line, who put their reputation on the line, who put their profession on the line, who put their dignity and their name and their future earning potential on the line in order to make manifest a brighter reality, to make manifest a better world for others. We appreciate each and every one of you who have listened. We appreciate each and every one of you who will listen. You have tuned into another exciting, informative, uplifting, and hopefully excellent show on the Gist of Freedom Radio Show. Tune in to hear the show again. Share it with a friend. BlackHistoryUniversity.com. B-L-A-C-K. University. HistoryUniversity.com. Um, there you have over 500 shows. I am your gracious host. Thank you for being with me. I felt your energy. I am your host, again, Mr. Black365, Jamal Brown. Find out more about me and the products that I have at black365.com. We will see you on the next show. Peace. That was great.